passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, to this month's edition of The Wellness Policy. My name is Wei Ting, joined as always by Jordan Goodman. What's up, Jordan? Yes, it's good to be here. We're talking about music. It is probably, it, no, it's definitely the, the one thing that uh, I may even chose, uh, choose over pro wrestling. And now we're bringing it all together. I'm happy to be here. Music and pro wrestling, two things that come together uh, incredibly well in this man's life. Uh, not not one person I can think of who might be better suited for this topic on this particular episode to this audience than the legend himself. The Mouth, Dan Lavransky. Everybody knows this guy. How are you doing, Mouth? I'm doing very well, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for inviting me on to this one. Uh, you know, I'm with, uh, I'm with Jordan, honestly. My two major interests are you know, music and, and wrestling. They are still the two tr- strongest things. You know, comic books are, are right close by in third place, way. And by the way, we have to talk about Loki. I saw the whole series, so we got to talk about it. Oh, I'm down. At some point, at some yes. point. But yeah, I'm the same. Music, the wrestling, the comic books, they're all such uh, important things. And uh, take them all uh, seriously and uh, like to learn as much as I can about them. You know, um, like a lot of people know kind of like our, our, our history together mouth. I mean, I was a call screener for years on the law uh, of which you are a, a host and often, you know, because as many, many people know, you do not drive mouth where I, as I do. Uh, and I would dr- drive every day, basically from downtown to Scarborough. I was given the very, you know, joy- <laughs> a privileged task of giving Dan Lebransky a ride home after these long nights on the law. And inevitably, we didn't really, you know, talk about wrestling on these rides. No. Like, we'd always <laughs> just bond over music. Um, so, you know, to me, you're almost a bit of a mentor when it comes to, you know, a lot of uh, my musical tastes, uh, you know, in, in your domains of, of, I guess, expertise. So I love oh. um, the fact that you're on these shows. The thing with you, Way, is that I liked how inquisitive you were, though, about music. Like, you're you're much younger than me, right? But I remember, I'll distinctly remember the one time because a band sampled one of her songs and you came to me asking about camel and i'm like wow this kid knows who camel is and or he's made an effort to find out who they are because a bit of their song got sampled who was that again way that you so so actually camel was probably a different um conversation um that we had but but the sample i believe was uh goblin okay okay justice justice sampled goblin okay uh, okay the tenebrae by goblin yeah oh okay yeah so yeah another great amazing uh italian band so okay well then yeah i'm mixing my stories but i I remember you asking me about camel 
And I was just, mm-hmm. I was like so surprised that you didn't know anything about them, right? Well, and of course for me, it's like, oh, here's this like random like band I hear, you know, my favorite artists talk about. And of course, Dan owns the entire catalog and knows like, the <laughs> entire backstory. So um, anyway, but Jordan, you are the person who came up with this topic for the, the week. And so I think to help steer the conversation, I'd like to give the reins to you. Please, you know, the, the conversation you guys just had, what that reminds me of, uh, Muggin with us in Zoom right now just learned that I worked at Ring of Honor for a couple years. And one of my favorite people there, you guys may be familiar with, uh, Gary Juster. Uh, he's been in the wrestling business for decades, was at WCW for its entire existence uh, and Ring of Honor for the past 10 plus years. And he's a music guy, too. And one of the road trips we had uh, was from South Florida to Central Florida. And just about the whole time, music was what we talked about. We sat up front together, listening to the radio, listening to the Beatles channel. Uh, you know, we kind of met in between with some more contemporary bands like Wilco. And honestly, like, I call him Uncle Gary, and it was bonding with him over music that really made me feel much more at home while I was on tour with the Wrestling Enterprise. Nice. Isn't it an interesting sort of thing, though? Because, like, yeah, it was like me and Mouth kind of talking about music. But by knowing sort of his musical taste, I know I, I get I get a sense of the type of person that that he might be. And this doesn't go always. You know, it's not always the case. But knowing that Mouth, you know, like knows so much about these very kind of niche things. I also know that he's somebody who could probably be very much a collector somebody who might also be like you know into comic book collecting or you know in our case professional wrestling um and and i'm sure maybe you and jordan jordan you and jordan you and gary perhaps you know felt maybe similar extensions yeah very much a kinship uh even with different generations etc but again we had wrestling that connected us obviously but uh in some ways i think music just hits a bit deeper, I think, for all of us. Uh, music is universal, uh, and we experience it all the time. You know, pro wrestling, you're not going to go to a restaurant and experience pro wrestling. Uh, you're not going to go watch a movie and experience pro wrestling. Uh, but music is everywhere. Music really is our universal language, uh, even just taking it to a, a more fundamental concept of rhythm in, in which how we communicate. Um, but yeah, I mean, music is everything to me. And honestly, uh, my experiences as a musician, both as an artist and a professional throughout the years, I'd say that informed me uh, about how I wanted to approach the business and art of pro wrestling and vice versa. I'm sure Mouth could agree that there's uh, incredible uh, just crossover between the two uh, genres as an art form, but of course, as a business, the ways in which we engage socially uh, the ways in which we find identity, so on and so on. And these are some of the things that I'm hoping uh, we can chat about uh, on the wellness policy today. Well, definitely for pro wrestling. I mean, you get it's so much like rock and roll and, and, and big rock band tours and that whole kind of lifestyle. I mean, the 80s was the prime example there when cocaine's running rampant through the music business. It's running rampant through pro wrestling at the same time, right? And there's just so many similarities. You have the groupies and all that stuff. You have the performance, the, uh, the you know, the people idolizing your every move and stuff like that. There's so, there's so many similarities between the two. And it's only natural that the two would actually come together as genre like as two separate genres finally together when there's so much alike to begin with right so there's always going to be that connection with uh with music and just to your point about how music is in everything 
you were talking about. Uh, it's so true. And like for someone like me, it really is. Like it's the moment I get up in the morning, I like drop the needle on the record. I'm blaring them tunes while I'm in the shower. You know, I'm, as soon as I get to work, I flip on, flip on some tunes while I set everything up. The minute I get home, I drop the needle on. I mean, I was listening to music before you guys connected today. It's just, it just becomes like this amazing, soothing bomb that to your ears that just makes, makes everything just to me seem so much better. It's amazing. Jordan, did you mention that you had something to share off the top? I did. Uh, our good friend Dickie Bird from Australia. Uh, uh, shoot name Richard Waterhouse. I think Waterhouse might be an even cooler name than the Mr. Bird. Uh, he shared something with me about 90 minutes ago. Uh, clearly being in Australia, it's the middle of the night for him. He was attempting to to stay up for our show, uh, but we can all understand why he'd be sleeping right now. Uh, but he sent this along uh, to me uh, and didn't suggest necessarily that that I read it, but said even for him, it just felt uh, good to express it, uh, even just writing it out and sending it to me. Uh, but I found it to be really touching and beautiful. So I wanted to share it with us, perhaps as a way to just set the stage for the conversation today. So, so Dickie Bird says, throughout my career, music has played the most important part of my creative journey. Without it, I'd never have invested my life into video and motion design. For those who have seen my work, You'll notice how much I rely on music to progress the story and convey how I want the audience to feel. When I was 16, I realized that I could use the raw emotion of a song to tell a visual story, and I edited together a video of NHL highlights to the song No One Knows by Queen's The Stone Age. By the way, one of the best performing rock bands in the world right now. I remember watching it back for the first time and feeling joy radiate throughout my body. I learned to edit because of music, when to cut, when to change pace, when to hit the climax. However, 20 years since then, I've never come to understand music. If I were to have a conversation with a musician about music, I'd sound like a complete idiot. I have no idea what a bar or a riff or even a melody really means. Tony is the only soprano I know. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing that got me. The reason I don't understand music is because I don't want to. I don't want to analyze music or be able to tell someone why I like a particular song. I just want to let music take me to places where I'm at my most vulnerable, where I can lose myself without thinking about how something is made, an issue I experience with most films and TV shows. Music is extremely personal to me, so much so I don't even like discussing favorite songs with other people. Forever will music remain one of this life's greatest gifts a gift that has made me swing my arms around, jump up and down, cry, laugh, scream, and sweat. A gift that has carried my career since I was a teenager. And most importantly, a gift that can transport me back in time to when things may have been easier in life. Back to a time when I was with my first love, before I fucked the whole thing up. And even back being with the ones who have sadly left this earth. So let's give it up for music, a true gateway to the mind and soul. Thank you for reading this, and please don't talk to me about it. So thank you, Dickie Bird. We will not wow. talk to you about it, but we will talk about it on the wellness policy today. That is a lovely way to kind of like set the stage for the type of conversation that we would have. Because, you know, Jordan, you and I barely kind of really talked about Like usually we have these kind of pre, pre-show meetings about uh, what, what we're going to talk about. And for this one, I think we probably did the least amount of conversation that we had for any of these because... Um, how do you really kind of like, you know, 
hone in on such a a broad topic as as music you know right um but i think dicky like hit on a lot of really kind of interesting points about it and, and for, for me the first thing that really caught my attention was how he loves music in fact he you know like it's a big part of who he is as a professional yet he doesn't really understand it and he wishes not to understand it and to me that's so interesting what as it relates to our bond of professional wrestling because the magic in pro wrestling for all of us when we first got into it was not knowing whether or not it was real and believing that it was real and obviously you know knowing that it, how it is constructed or at least knowing elements of how it's constructed and talking about it as if it's it's a performance rather than an actual uh, uh you know real fight that is enjoyable too much in the way that i think being able to break down a guitar solo into its specific notes is enjoyable on a different level but there are two different levels of enjoyment and for Dicky, you know, he chooses to kind of maintain and completely dive into one. And I think that's that's just awesome. I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, I think that's why I never took proper drum lessons. I don't really like I, I don't I don't know anything about chords or bars or notes or anything. I mean, I just hit things until it sounds right. And uh, it, it, that's that's part of it. I, I I've al- I've always been like that. I'm for me with music it's uh because it is such an expression of people and their personalities and their feelings i always tend to go the other way and i'm very interested in the creators of the music and how they went about it and stuff like that not so much the gear and the electronics and the tricks are cool to learn like back tapes and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's really more the people behind it and yeah i'll leave the technicalities for those people like you way that are good at figuring that kind of stuff out it, well, I mean, I think it's it's enjoyable on so many different levels because there's so many it's so deep and, and complex and there's so many yeah. different aspects about it. But, you know, like mentioning I, I'm very much the same way with that, too, you know, wanting to learn more about the creators behind the, 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 the art. Right. And and for me, um, that branches off into so many other things, whether it be their sense of fashion or, you know, maybe their political um, uh, views or uh, whatever else. And, and And I think music probably. And and specifically pop music, I think does a such a great job of of um, um, conveying maybe um, those aspects of of culture because it it is such a great tremendous vehicle for the time and for its current culture. Yeah, that's what art is uh, ostensibly supposed to be. I mean, it's a reflection of who we are and where we are and and what's going on. Uh, you know, in the in the late sixties. I wasn't there for it, but from what I've been told, I mean, music reflected the culture. I mean, music led socially, music Completely. led Completely. politically. Yes, yeah, and and that's a powerful thing. I mean, there's a reason why like jazz musicians uh, were were vilified because there was a power in their artistry. There was a power in the music that created community that was a threat to certain other cultures in in the country. Uh, music is i mean it's been around since uh for millennia since the beginning of humankind i mean rhythms the 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 really the first way that we communicated with each other i've built a career off of putting rhythmic instruments into quote unquote non-musicians hands and letting people realize that if we have a heartbeat we're a natural born musician and this is a way in which we can level the playing field uh whether it's 
ability or language or hierarchy within an organization, uh, when we come together and can experience uh, not only ourselves, but uh, join community through music, I mean, that is like the great connector. Mm -hmm. And with that comes incredible power as far as the potential of what we can do with music. Well, that's it. It's the ultimate form of communication, right? It's universal. Everybody can bond over music, right? It doesn't matter where you are. You know, I'm down in South America and I see an amazing band, Latino music, and you just totally just brings you right into it. It doesn't matter whether you can speak the language or anything like that, or even, you know, in the middle of Germany, in the middle of screaming wild heavy metal show. It's just everybody's together on this, right? There's no, you don't have to say anything. You just go in there and you all enjoy the music and the pleasure. So that was, that's the ultimate thing. And like you say, that's huge power, right? That's huge power when you can communicate to people like that. And so many people with, with just that, that is totally powerful. So I'm curious with both of you guys, uh, some of the most formative experiences of music where you really felt that sense of power and perhaps part of your sense of self or identity or social life started forming perhaps because of a musical experience. Mouth, would you like to go? <laughs> um, well, you know, it's, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's kind of strange because I think a big part of it for me is that uh, music was always there. Like, um, like I grew up in a family with my parents in, in the 60s and they back in those days, you kept a radio in the kitchen and the radio was constantly on to the local AM station. Right. And so for me, it, it's almost like something that's always been there. It's like I don't remember when I first heard it. I don't. It's like your first steps or stuff, your first words. I don't remember any of that kind of stuff. Right. It's just always been there. So for me, that's a huge part of it. It's it's always been there. And then uh, I don't know. There's just something about the the power of it that attracted me at a super young age. Like I liked music from the youngest age. When my grandmother gave me my first records, uh, the first two Monkees albums, uh, when I was really, really young, I was just so captivated by both of them. I had no knowledge of the TV show or anything. This was strictly the music on these big chunks of plastic and honestly killed my parents' first stereo. I destroyed it by playing the Monkees records uh, continuously. And I also destroyed both of the monkeys records too. I had to buy them again years later, but uh, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. There's just something so like from the earth. It's just like, it's just this really elemental feeling that I get when I, when it, when I think about music and, and, and the part it plays in, in our life, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, and so for you, I mean, you know, clearly uh, an early love of it, but did did that just, when did that graduate, would you say, to the next level? Uh, well, geez, I don't know. I I mean. When did you first start going to shows, you know, like how okay, big, when well, did you start yeah, becoming I mean, a collector? Oh, well, I mean, I started buying stuff pretty early. I, I really did. I got it after the monkeys. I got into the Beatles and I just got obsessed with the Beatles and bought was buying quite a few of their records and stuff. So I was always buying records from the start. Um, uh, I guess, you know, once you get into high school, I think is when it really kind of starts to kick into gear. Uh, you can go out and do more stuff. You can go to others. Like I grew up in a small town, right? Had one or two record stores tops. Uh, so you'd want to get out and go to other towns, other cities, 
and have a find bigger selections, find stuff that you're looking for. Uh, so I would I, I would say there is when it really kicks into gear, but it was always there. It was always there. That's for sure. And you're a musician too, Mouth. When did that begin? That starts in high school as well. Honestly, I had some buddies that wanted to play. It was the classic, like, well, I'm the guitar player. I'm the bass player. Uh, I'm the other guitar player and singer. Well, we need a drummer. And uh, somebody had a kit and he didn't want it anymore. Uh, so he sold it to me really cheap. And that was it. I just started, I just started jamming with those guys. And we had our crazy uh, uh, punk band. Uh, we were called Bat. That amazing, great name. Now, did you did you find like sort of a a very natural transition between, you know, simply listening to it to creating it? Oh, no, no, no. I was horrified. I was terrified of playing. I really was. When those guys wanted me to play the drums, I was like incredibly skeptical. I'm like, I don't know. See, I I know for so many people and Jordan, maybe you this is how it went for you. But I know that so many people, they get into music and it inspires them to play. But I was never really that guy. I was never really that guy. I went, wow, Keith Moon, I got to play the drums now. I was just kind of, I just really, really enjoy music. And maybe I enjoy it so much I don't feel the need to play it. I really don't know. I don't really understand. Um, But I've never been like that now that I am playing and I've played through the years and having a band now and everything, like even from the punk band, right? Mm-hmm. way with bruiser brody bruiser brody of which mouth was the uh, front man uh in his underwear uh <laughs> do, <laughs> doing husk husk uh every in, in front of uh, great shows is oh this on, is this on youtube there might be way way i remember I'm after one of videos. the gigs posted some clips i don't they might be still up there i don't know mm-hmm. uh but just that like i was never the madman to say yes i gotta play but once i did get into it and got into performing i did totally enjoy it right but i'm not driven that's for sure i'm not you know like some artists are uh and, and of course you know you're also i would say uh relatively popular like on the you know college radio circuit here in as far as your djing goes um like damien abraham our good friend remembers listening to you mouth uh, yes. Yeah. UT years ago. How did that start? Um, well, that was back in like the early nineties, I think 91. And at the time they were advertising for guys to do the overnight slots, the midnight till six in the morning slots. And I just, I wanted to do that. I thought that's the greatest time. And plus a university station, you know, you have incredibly more freedom. You're putting the show together. Uh, I mean, really your only major concerns are because of, uh, a CRTC rules you got to have so much Canadian and other than that you know if you're doing an inventive show that's creative they'll let you do what you want right and so I, I wanted that kind of freedom I didn't want to have to just play the same 10 songs in a row like a lot of stations nowadays have to do so they wanted people for overnight so uh, that's how I got in there through that and it was it was just so much fun great feedback from people and I did I was there almost all of the 90s and then right as I left, that's when I got into the law. And then now I'm actually back at CIUT. Now I've been back for a couple of years. Uh, Tuesdays at noon, the show is called Dr. Mouse Rock and Roll Lunch Party. Um, it's just two hours of any popular music anywhere from like the 40s to probably current day and covering all kinds of genres. It's rock and roll in its attitude, I would say, more than anything, because you're going to hear punk, blues, jazz, funk, soul, whatever, metal. But it's more the rock and roll attitude of the show. It's it's fun. I'm actually having a lot of fun doing that show now. It's it's two hours, um, and you just 
throw stuff at the wall. It's great. I love you put it. a lot of like, re- like heart and, and uh, I would say into into it, you know? Well, like, you know, it's when I was young way, a lot of radio stations were told you nothing. Like I was mm-hmm. like, well, you see, you guys have to understand this. There was no internet. None of that stuff was around when I was a kid. There was, it was hard to get information about things that you and not, you guys could find with a flip of a switch now. Right. It was hard. And so yeah. when I listened to the radio, I listened intently and I got, I would get so mad when they would play a song and then just segue into a commercial or start talking about something else and not tell you who it was. So when I got my show, it was almost like, I, I just said, look, I have to tell people about these music and these tunes and these people that made it and stuff like that. In fact, it's at the point where I don't think I could do a show if I wasn't able to do that. Like I almost feel it's so part, part of much of my psychological makeup now that if I didn't tell you about the song, I would feel remorse. I would feel bad because I hated that so much when I was a kid, there were certain songs that for years, I did not know what they were called and who they were by because I would get burned every time I'd hear it on the radio, like a time of the season by the zombies. It took me forever to find out who that was. Wow. And now we have Shazam yep. where you can just like put the, exactly. put the thing on the thing. The thing is. is, the thing is, though, I, I, I mean, I think the general generational divided is, 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 is interesting to talk about because um, you're right. Like things are so accessible right now. Uh, like in my phone right here, I have access to pretty much the, like the entire world's catalog, like more yeah. than, more than the inside yeah. of an HMV with my Spotify account. And but, back seat- when I was collecting, uh, and by the time I'm interested in music in the late 70s, early 80s, and I'm looking for these 60s records, they're all out of print because if these records didn't sell consistently, that was it. So I'm reading about all these records, and I can't find any of them anywhere, right? Like, it was, you had mm-hmm. to really be dedicated and do some searching to hunt stuff down back then. So well, it's, it's, not a, it's not unlike tape trading from, you know, matches in Japan. Wrestling, right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But but it's that dedication that you built that, I mean, I don't know if many people have anymore. I don't know if I have it anymore. Yeah, because... see, and you, know, and you know what, though, Way I do still. You know what? Mm-hmm. I, I so try not to resort to just go on YouTube and listen there. You know what I mean? I try to keep the mystery alive because I yeah. do... For me, part of the, with music anyways, when it comes to discovering it, part of it is the search and the hunt and, and mm-hmm. finding it. And, uh, you know, I still get an amazing thrill when I buy a record somewhere that I'm taking a shot on just because I think, OK, this looks cool. It's the right year. These songs look like they're about the right length. OK, they have a couple of weird titles and you take it home and you put it on the turntable and it blows your mind. Like, I just love that so much. You know, that relationship with music. I mean, I think people probably, you know, very young probably still have it. But if you're extremely dedicated, like but but for you and your generation, I would assume it was a lot more universal. You go out, you pay your hard earned money for 10 songs. And you sit down in front of your stereo and you actively listen within your headphones. Now it's like Drake has a 30 song album. That's out. <laughs> I'm going to put it on like, you know, as I'm like, you know, yeah. doing the dishes or like as I'm like, you know, going for a walk or having a conversation in the background with my friends. And then I'll never listen to it again. So it's like it, it it's incredibly abundant, but that it also makes it far more disposable. And I do wonder if, you know, people have maybe more of a distant connection with music now, in some cases, maybe simply as background material because it is so abundant. Yeah, it's transient, too. I mean, I remember many Tuesdays uh, 
if I was forced to go to school, then all day in school, I'd be thinking about going to the record store at the end of school, <laughs> you know, and there's this build because for months, record labels would be, you know, uh, hyping they would this tease album. You. Yeah, they would tease you. And, and, and maybe at most you had one or two singles released to radio. And then when you get the whole thing, like you're with that, those, you know, 10 to 18 songs for the foreseeable future. Cause you know, at least for me, I only had so many CDs. It's not like, okay, this didn't grab my attention 30 seconds in. Now let me just uh, open Spotify and just pick anything else that came out that week to something that came out 70 years ago. Uh, but back then it was an experience to sit down yes. and to look at the art and to flip through the lyrics. And even for me to see who are the people in the band, like who mixed this album, where was it recorded and yep. so on and so on. Uh, and that was my way of diving deep into uh, this piece of art. Yeah, exactly. I was uh, one of those guys, just because you mentioned it, when CDs came along, that the biggest thing that drove me crazy at first was all the art getting shrunk. I, that just drove me crazy, you know? And uh, I'm, I'm loving now that some of the albums from that era, the CD era, that never had vinyl releases are getting them. And you're getting, like, the more, <laughs> not to use my favorite band but the motorhead record covers were always fantastic and now to see them finally blown up to album size you're like this is amazing and it's just to me that was such a big part of it and still is really i still get excited when i find a neat record that's got neat packaging or a weird insert or like that part that is so much a part of it as well you know that kind of having an object that you kind of can mull over like you said rather than you just open a case and put it in a tray you know Taking the art away would be similar to a wrestler without theme music. Yes, good. Yeah, good comparison. Yeah, good comparison. So or, wait, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, or like just simply cutting out the entrances when you're about to watch a match, you know, is which is essentially what we have now. Where I mean, yes, we have album art, but it's like the it's a JPEG. Nobody really, I think, interacts with it other than like this one little thing that gets shared. Um, certainly no liner notes that really kind yeah. of get interacted with anymore. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm curious, do modern day artists put that much thought into that? Because man, back in the day, I mean, look at the sixties and the seventies where you saw some of the most creative and bizarre album artwork ever. You can tell lots of thought, uh, went into this i mean whole companies made their name off making album cover jackets i mean what happens now when drake puts out a record does any thought go into artwork you should look up his last uh, uh album cover. okay i mean it's just all right I, i'm sure there's there's great meaning behind it but it's really like it's it's like emojis like there's there's no there's no liner notes unless I, I, I there might be an actual pressing like proper proper physical release right, of, like proper right, liner right. notes but I would say the vast majority of people strictly interacted interact it through like you know a streaming streaming app application but at the same time and I don't want to just let this be a conversation of oh it used to be so much better then yeah. <laughs> you know now musicians have way more tools to express themselves. So True. maybe all of the content that's created through social media, you know, contextual to the different platforms, that becomes part of the expression of this new batch of music or this new song. And it's not just distilled to uh, one image or the live performance. That That is so true. And I love the fact that we're, we're talking about Drake here because who is, you know, who is, who is an, an artist that has taken more advantage of social media for his work than somebody like him like like you remember what the fuck was, was that thing um 
the 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 challenge <laughs> like like I don't know hotline bling was a huge thing and then there was like what the hell am I thinking of uh the kiki thing you remember that whole thing Jordan I think you're on your own with this way oh my yeah, god I, no. I'm sorry way I not I, chat room I please back me up everybody's screaming <laughs> at their at their at their radios right now but like promotion is strictly not just hey hey here's a CD or even here's a video it's like. Here's a new dance that you can dance to that everybody, like, I'm, I'm going to teach the entire world to, like, do their own version of it that you can upload onto TikTok. Um, it's... So, well, then he's just he's just taking from the, the late 50s then when they went through the dance craze and they did that exact thing. It was more about the dance than the actual song. It, it's the whole package, I would, I would yeah. argue. You know, yeah. like, and that to me is, is pop music, you know, like... In its purest form, it absolutely is just strictly what you hear through your ears. But for me, pop music, and this goes for rock, this goes for rap, you know, the visual component is, to me, just as interesting. And that yeah. that, that is either, either through the music video or it's through the fashion and, and the personality behind the music. And that's why this runs so much deeper than just the music on the surface. You know, it's connections with uh, with an artist with a human being it's the culture the community that is built around an artist you know there's many people who love certain bands or musicians will go see them in concert but not really even pay attention to the music yeah but it's more of just uh, connecting sure and it's connecting finding identity in a culture it's connecting with friends or a larger community uh i know for me as someone that was younger when i started uh self-identifying as a musician when I started going to concerts, like that's when I started feeling more like myself in the world, more so than if I'd go to school uh, or go to the mall or something. If I went to the mall, I'd look for a, a hot topic when those were around, or I would look for the kids that looked like they were uh, expressing themselves in a more artistic way, uh, because that was usually linked to some musical genre. And that felt like, oh, I see myself in that person. There's some commonality uh, versus just, you know, other ways in which we may express ourselves in the world. Um, so I think it's an interesting conversation of like just the recorded audio or the, the performed audio that is music in it's it's like the main entree, but it's all these different sides and, and flavors and, and the presentation of a musical experience that that really makes it unique and every person experiences it in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the personality of the artist, the way they express it, uh, the guys that are in the band. Is one guy controlling the band? Is it a group effort? Like, there's so many different elements when it comes to music, right? And it is. It's fascinating to sit down. I, I You know, I'm a big fan of Frank Zappa, and he's someone that I think it was just amazing as he was in control. He controlled the bands. He wrote the material. And he he is this amazing artist. And with so much of his music, he tried to link it all together conceptually. And it just, it, it makes for like the fascinating career of just to sit down and look at this guy's career and what he did and what he accomplished in all the different stages and, and uh, how, how he laid it out. He, you know, people would say, oh, he's a rock and roller. No, the guy was a true artist. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, well, genres are, are I, I, I mean, ultimately they're, they're great for people to catalog, you know, like their record collection, right? But uh, like in the end, we're talking about just whether or not something is good music or if it's bad music like that to me. Actually, that's one of the first um, quotes attached to like sort of like 
um, that that had a big influence for me was through like this interview with Noel Gallagher on like Much Music, and and he said something to the effect of what I just paraphrased is that there really is only two kinds of music: good music and bad music. Yes. And, you know, like why, why kind of, especially if you're an artist like a Frank Zappa why, or a David Bowie, why limit yourself to one genre? Yes. And, you know, like it's, it's all just a form of like whatever is in your head, like that, 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 that needs to come out. But um, yeah, so maybe uh, Jordan, you're, you're trying to ask me perhaps for maybe some of my background, Um, you know, much like mouth, I, I always had music in my household too. You know, um, my mom actually um is a, early childhood education teacher and she very much used music in a lot of her uh teachings so growing up i i would you know there she'd always be like practicing some sort of song that she'd be ready ready to teach a class while in the other room i i mean i have two older brothers who are um i would say maybe like you know about 10 years older than me and by the time that i was young they had very kind of deep connections to um uh, a lot of the music that they loved you know um a lot of it uh from from the West, even though we grew up in Hong Kong, like they were very much into like bands like Depeche Mode and like, you know, um, uh, what, you know, my, my brother loves jazz. Um, so they would also play instruments. They always, so I always had instruments around the house, even though I never really kind of like touched them or anything until a bit later on. Um, but then like, for me, it was like, you know, I went to the Walmart. I remember very vividly, and then um, I've always kind of stayed away because this kind of had a negative effect in, in that even though like they were so deep into music, I felt like it was almost their territory that like I for me, I didn't necessarily just want to cross over into because I felt like crossing over was like I, I felt like it was going to be a significant thing in my life. So I think I always like, you know, subconsciously kind of stayed away. So then like one day, um, I think I, I probably saw like a Spice Girls video <laughs> and then I asked my mom, could I buy this Spice Girls CD? Yeah. And, and that was it, you know? And then after that, it was like big shiny tunes too. And then I bought OK Computer mm-hmm. by Radiohead. So I graduated. Oh, that's quite, that's a leap. Quite the jump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> quite the leap way. Holy cow. It was quite the jump. Um, But you know, for me, like uh, that, that was like a, probably like, you know, my formative years, you know, towards the. Prior prior to entering high school, towards the end of like you know elementary school and whatnot, um, and then just kind of really like you know I I also kind of came up uh, you and I I would say Jordan we probably came up at the age when MP3 started becoming a thing, and that just you know even greatly expanded my physical collection at the time, um, and then when it came to time for like you know um a friend much like you mouth you know um they were starting a band and they needed somebody to play the bass. Cause who, who the hell wants to play the bass? It's like, you know, you either want to be the lead guitarist or you want to be the drummer. Nobody wants to play the bass. Nobody even wants to buy a bass. But these friends knew that I had brothers who basically had instruments and we did happen to have a bass. And so <laughs> I, um, I knew I played a bit of guitar. Like I took some, some guitar lessons here and there, but never really dedicated myself to it. Not until, uh, I became the basis for this, like, you know, high school band that uh, I played around with my friends. It was the most the, the most fun summer I've ever had, you know, with those guys. Just simply, like, playing covers, learning covers, hanging out, and just, like, doing awful covers of these, like, Weezer songs or, like, whatever. Um, and that just kind of, like, deepened my, my music to a different level. Not only was I listening to it now, but I was breaking it down. I'm somebody who loves to know, like, how stuff is made. And there's no better way of getting deep into something that you love than to break it apart and try to replicate it. 
Um, so that kind of grew my, my interest in a different way. Uh, over that course of that time, you know, um, BET t- came to Canada. So I, I got huge into hip hop at, at some point. And I'm just a nerd for information. So like the moment I latch onto something, I just like dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And then that, you know, bled into my love of electronic music and um, just, you know, really kind of anything. And that just made me realize like, you you know, it, it would be, it's incredibly sad to try to limit yourself to any sort of one genre when um, there's great music to be found pretty much in, in any sort of circle. So and that's really it. I will say like in recent years I feel like my connection to music has maybe diminished and much of that is because I think um the circumstance of um not really having a commute, you know, that's where I would do a lot of my listening. Um and also the fact that like podcasting has kind of take taken the place of like a lot like talk radio essentially has taken the place of of a lot of my music listening time and also maybe just like growing out of sort of the age where I'm like always at the record store, you know, and like trying to amass a collection. So I do feel like that aspect a little bit waning, but you know, I I am playing music a a bit more than I guess, strictly discovering it. So when you play now, what does that look like? It's, it's pretty casual, honestly, like just kind of hanging out with some friends and just like whatever comes out, comes out, like the drummer might start and then the, the, the each, the rest of us will join in, we'll record it and we'll listen back to it afterwards and just kind of have fun with it. It's, it's nothing I'm, I'm taking too seriously, uh, but more as a form of escape and just bonding with friends. Are you still yeah. playing bass? No, actually, I, 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 I mean, from time to time if, if it's needed, but I'm more of a guitarist. I think I approach it about the same way as that as way. This has always been what I say about being in a band when you're older like this and that. This is the same for me, the way my dad would go golfing. My dad would go golfing with his buddies, relax, shoot some balls, have a couple of drinks afterwards, go have a meal, whatever, hang out. That's what that's that's the same way that I see playing now for me. I've never been a serious musician as much as I love music. Um, I'm more of a ham than anything else. It's just a chance to to kind of goof off and be silly. And yeah, and it's a great way to get together with with your buddies, you know, and the, the same with um, when you have friends that are in different bands and you go to their shows. It's the same thing. It's like, you know, I got to go check these guys out again and see how they're doing and and that it's a very there's a great social aspect to the playing part of it too um especially if you know other a lot of other people that are playing in that because it's always it's always fun and you just get like you do way you just get guys you grab them you get a rehearsal space all right let's jam for three hours and let's see what let's see what comes out you know you'd be surprised how many big name bands work that way they just go in the studio and jam and then try to find little bits to build songs on you know, I, I and and maybe you 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 can both speak on this, but like e- the process of of jamming with people is is very interesting and it's very unique because um to find chemistry with somebody through like creating sounds is actually a lot more difficult than than you realize. Number one, I mean, I think you have to find people that are willing to. You know, first of all, you have to be, uh, I would say, of a certain technical proficiency. Secondly, it's the <laughs> the self-confidence in being able to let go in, in you know, to, to, to really kind of be able to express yourself. Because, um, you know, like I've been in situations where like you play with new people and you're always kind of afraid, oh, how, you know, how do I match up with these musicians? How, how do, what do they think of, of my stuff? Happens all the time. And then... um I forget my third point, but uh, yeah, Jordan, like here to maybe chime in on, on, on that. Well, you know, I didn't really 
start jamming with people, especially just a lot of random people until a bit later in life. So, I mean, when I was five years old, I took piano lessons for a year and that was a great way to just learn, here's how music is organized. But it's not like I was listening to piano-based music, but in fourth or fifth grade, I started taking guitar lessons. And the first lesson, teacher taught me smells like teen spirit. And like that, then it was like, oh, okay, like this is something where I feel a part of it. And I just sat with that fucking guitar every single day. Just, I mean, and, and I was a child, like a young child and uh, with an adult sized guitar. I mean, it hurt to even stretch my fingers to make a power chord at the time. But after like six months of working at it every day, something kind of clicked and I, some muscle memory fell into place. Where I was like, okay, I can actually express something that I hear on albums on my own through this guitar. And uh, luckily I have a brother who's just a year and a half younger than, than me. He was taking guitar lessons too. He ended up becoming the bass player. Uh, and within a few years I started becoming the drummer, but I always had someone to do it with. So there was community in that. Mm. Uh, but we were, we would, and in my earliest bands, and that's what I did on the weekends starting in fifth grade or so. I never really got into like sports or video games. Like what I did with friends on the weekend was we would play band together. We would literally, you know, set up our instruments and play together, but we wouldn't necessarily jam. I don't know if I had the expression or the confidence or even the wherewithal to know what to do with that, but we just played cover songs. And that's what we did until we started making our own songs. And, and it wasn't until uh, late high school and especially college where I think I was more open to socializing with different musicians and there was a great party house that we had for a few years. Always be, always be a different mix of people. And at that point, uh, especially as a drummer, uh, I felt confident kind of sitting, you know, and, and being a musician, especially with other people and especially jamming, the most important quality is listening because it's teamwork. We're trying to help each other out. So as a drummer, uh, Everyone is kind of relying on me to, to, to contain or to keep the steady foundation to build upon. Uh, but it's really just like listening to to other people. But that did not come naturally for me. I mean, I needed to spend years, I think, with just friends, people I trusted, people I'd feel comfortable like fucking up in front of and just trying to emulate what we heard, what we liked. Um, I, I guess one way in which I really differ from both of you is that when I started becoming a musician at a very young age, like that was all I wanted to do. And that became my sense of self that gave me like self-confidence that gave me identity. Like I could go into the world, whether it was school or uh, uh, a party or a, a restaurant. And if I was talking to people and I could say, I'm a musician, I'm a, I'm a rock guitarist. Like that became my sense of self. And then all I wanted to do was to be a musician in a rock band. And for the past 25 years, uh, many days of my life, that's, that's what I have done. I have to say, way to your points on jamming, I don't know if technical proficiency really has to be there at the beginning. Because with my jamming experiences, it wasn't. Because <laughs> when I was in high school with my buddies, 
that was right at the time when punk was just breaking and all that kind of stuff. And we were very much influenced by the punk music and the new music like Devo and Gary Newman and all that kind of stuff. And we were kind of the misfits of town. So we wrote our own punk songs. We dressed like punks and everyone in the high school hated us. We played in the high school and they all went nuts. Um, but so that, that was like a constructive thing, right? Mm. We were writing our own songs and everything. But when I got into university and that, I got into jamming with guys. And uh, it, for us, I think a lot of it was just to get lost in sound. It wasn't about playing. It, honestly, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. None of the guys were particularly good players. A couple of them were guys that you could tell were more into the mythology and the image of rock and roll, you know, dressed to look like Keith Richards in 1972 or something. And so a lot of it was at that time, it was really about, for me anyways, I was just getting lost in the sound and listening to all the crazy sounds these people would be making, trying to do something to go along with it and that. And then my next jamming experience after that, as at my first job, I was working at a video production house and I met a couple of guys and we were really like-minded. They loved all the space rock and Hawkwind and all that kind of really expansive craft work, all that expansive kind of stuff right where you can really go wild for a while and we used to jam and uh we weren't that great proficient really either but again you got lost in the sound i think for uh, us i know the one guy for sure who was no longer with us steve banks he was a great musician he was very much more interested in being captured by the whole sound rather than constructing a good pop song or making a hook it was kind of like droning and getting lost in it all so and those were my earliest experiences of jamming and i love i love both of them i hold them i i just i just love that kind of let's get lost in it and see what happens and it's a lot it's a lot easier to do that when you don't have any knowledge because once you start to learn things then you start to control it more and, and that's so, so true like i i i right? I, I, I i i love hearing that because like that to me is like the type of uh experience that i prefer is like not really even thinking about what the proper notes in the scale are right. but like thinking right. you know well what happens if i move my finger here <laughs> in this pattern how is that going to sound what if i like i don't know like fuck up the string here like and detune it and like like experimenting with with like just kind of what you're but simply having the comfort of being around people that can accept your experimentation that to me is incredibly yep. important and, and part of the fun of like, you know, discovering brand new things. Like it's like you're going on like it sounds so corny, but it sounds like you're going on a bit of an adventure with with your team, you mm -hmm. know, and, and to and to find like one other person or two other person or three other people that are like all in sync with you just by yeah. listening without even having to like talk about where you're going is is it's magical. Mm -hmm. exactly it's like an it's an adventure in the jungle and you're all you're all together out there trying to face off whatever you're gonna find yeah i imagine like wrestlers feel the same if they're like you know in them in a match with somebody especially like the, you know the ones that like largely rely on improvisation mm -hmm. like when they're completely so in sync with one other partner or two other people or three other people and they can create like a beautiful work of art just because they know exactly, you know, where the other other person's going to go. Their senses are so strong. Um, like it's one thing to be able to kind of like, you know, paint something on it like solo, but to be able to collaborate with somebody to create a piece of art is is, is a different experience. And not just the collaboration between the performers, but the best pro wrestlers, the most effective pro wrestlers 
are also the best listeners. So they're listening to the crowd and they're letting the crowd inform them where they're, you yeah. know, where they want to go. Because again, they're taking that audience on the ride that they're trying to, uh, you know, it, you know, it's it's the picture that they're painting, you know, except it's in real time, not unlike music. And there's the highs and the lows. And sometimes if it's not working and they, you know, artists have the freedom, whether pro wrestlers or otherwise, to improvise. Uh, I mean, that's where this this idea of magic can can really be brought to the surface of our experience. And it's it's amazing. And, well, and, it's, and that's the exact same with a band, right? I mean, it's the communication between the players and connecting with your audience, right? And getting those magic moments between crowd and audience where everybody is just screaming like mad or, or they're all singing along to one of your songs or, you know, those moments like that. It's the same thing where you get, yeah, you get this multi thing. You're communicating with your peers while you're playing and you're communicating with all the people in the audience. I think we've really touched upon something significant in the conversation. I'm really glad that we got to it at this moment. Look, I, I spent a week at the Berkeley School of Music right when I graduated high school. And I went, I lived in the dorms, I did drum instruction every day, and I got to live what it would be like to be a drum student at, you know, one of the most prestigious music schools in the world. Because I asked myself, is this something I'd want to do? I'm so glad I did that week because I learned that if this became my lifestyle for the next four years, I would probably fucking hate music. All I wanted to do was to just create with my friends in some musical expression and go share that with the world. So that's what I did. Uh, I, I know many professionally trained musicians who were very rigid in their thinking, and that made it hard. I know many others, myself included. I mean, I, I have taken lessons and, and so on. And I think often learning the rules is helpful if you're willing to break the rules. But what I think is really significant about this conversation is this idea, uh, we're using language like uh, going on a journey or getting lost. And uh, when we're talking about that, what we're really touching on is letting go of our thinking mind, Let, like getting out of our heads yes. and getting more into our bodies and getting more into a group consciousness when we're collaborating and experiencing this stuff with other people. So much of us spend the, the majority of our time in our heads. And that is a very uh, uh, isolating place often. It's a very, um, uh, it's, uh, there's, there's so much, only. <laughs> it, it, it can be, but, but it's, we're missing out on so much. So that's why, like, music to me is, like, that's what it is. I, like, I, I have spent the past 10 years, like I said, putting instruments into people's hands, in schools, in the office, in, 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 in faith-based communities, and so on. And the number one thing that prevents people from joining in is they're stuck in their head. They have these thoughts. I don't have rhythm. Uh, I'm going to mess up. Everyone's going to look at me and judge me. Uh, you know, it's, it's all this inner critic stuff that prevents us from just letting go, letting our hands and our bodies move, and then just allowing ourselves to connect with other people. My job, my number one job, is to create conditions of safety for people to feel safe enough, to feel free enough, to get out of their heads, to get into their bodies, to open up to the people around them, and to just express themselves or to just simply, even if they're not going to play, 
just to feel the music around them. And I've found that, and I've had, you know, thousands of people tell me that it's one of the most healing, relaxing, grounding experiences that they've come to know, because this is within all of us. It's natural to us. And whether it's a drum circle or a meditation or uh, writing poetry or taking a fucking bath, I think for us to find experiences in life to get out of our heads and into our bodies is one of the the most powerful things that we can do for our well-being. And Jordan, you have now explained why the music plays in my house 24-7. That is why right there. So I can get out of my head and I'll take it even to the simplest level. Never mind, you know, something big or a a break from the craziness of the world. I got to wash the dishes. Okay, you know what? Crank some motorhead while you wash the dishes. Listen to some Mott the Hoople while you do the dishes. Okay, I got to clean the entire house today. I got to do the bathroom, everything. Great. Crank the tunes. Keep it going all day long. Like, everything. I got to make dinner tonight. I'm going to cook. I'm going to prep. Like, like, like anything. You know what I mean? It just makes anything better. Like, I spent a lot of the pandemic because we couldn't go out and do stuff. I spent a huge amount of it sitting in my backyard with my outdoor stereo. I set up a nice receiver and turntable and speakers outside. And that was like, that saved my life literally over the last two years, being able to just go outside, have a good stereo, listen to some some tunes, putter around if I had to, sit there if I wanted to, read if I wanted to. Like, it's just, I I almost can't handle it when there's not music playing. It almost gets to me that much. If I'm somewhere, like now, even now when I go to a hotel, because most hotels do not have any kind of music player in them at all, I'll take a ghetto blaster and a pile of CDs. I'll take something though, so that I know I can listen to music. It's like, that's how it is for me. It's just so getting me out of my mind and making everything so much more tolerable. And imagine a movie without music. Imagine a video game without music. Imagine, you know, a restaurant without music. So, I mean, in a sense, for you, Mouth, it's like, imagine your life without music. Yes, yes. The only thing where I wouldn't want to see music is run-ins in pro wrestling. I'm tired of the guy's music hitting as soon as he runs to the ring. I hate that. That's got to stop. Okay. Something you, you were talking about, Jordan, that um, I, I definitely wanted to maybe chime in on was uh, you were talking about how... um you know, the act of um, doing this one thing, you kind of have to really get out of your head um, in order to to do it, especially playing music with other people. Uh, I mean, ultimately, aren't, aren't we just kind of circling back to, you know, something that we've talked about often on, on this podcast, and that's simply being present. You know, for me, playing music has always forced me to be present because um if other people the train is moving you know the the beat is moving and you cannot stop to think about your grocery list the you know the next day or what's stressing you out later on in life because you are relied upon to play the next note so there's no time to think about what came before no no time to think about what's well you probably will think about what's coming up maybe a little bit but for the most part you're thinking about what is going on right now and whether it's playing you know a cover of a song or even playing like rock band or like a dance dance revolution or something like that. So experiencing music um, while kind of like being active, uh, an active participant in it uh, really is a great way of, I think, forcing presence. Yeah. I Look, when I'm performing, I want to just be in it and enjoy it. I know what it's like to be 
underprepared as I'm sure actors or pro wrestlers or radio DJs or anyone else knows what it's like to be underprepared. And then you're kind of thinking about, okay, what's the next part? What comes next, etc. When you're when you've got it in, in your muscle memory, and you just have it in your body, like then you can just sit there and let it come out in the moment. Like I want to be making from especially behind the drum kit, which is very physically isolating. Like I want to be making eye contact with as many people as I can. Like I want to experience it with people. And there's no way for me to be able to be doing all that while still playing the drums in a competent way without like being fully in the moment with it. Yeah, no, it, that's a big part of it for sure, man. I mean, that is why I I love playing the drums so much is uh, you're totally in the moment with the drums, right? And the uh, the physicality of it too. I love the physicality of it. And yeah, you're you're up there on stage. And even though you're the drummer though, you can do it. You can make contact with the crowd. You can, there's lots of time when they're staring at you and they're trying to figure out what you're doing and, and stuff like that up there. But uh, yeah, that, that it, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to make that kind of contact with people. I, uh, I, I thrive for that too, to the point that I'll disrobe halfway through the set. If I have to, if it gets people paying attention, you know, I, I got to come to one of these fucking shows mouth. It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's, it's just, it's just so much fun, especially when you're in a, a great environment, like the surf band community in Toronto is really great. Everybody supports it. Many of the people that enjoy that music come out dressed in the vintage clothing and everything. Like every, people treat it as more than just the show most of the time. They're really there for the whole experience, right? The same thing. They want to get out of their minds and maybe go somewhere else for a few hours. So, yeah, I encourage it. You'd love it. At this point, Jordan, do you want to go to some calls in the people in the chat room? Please, I'd love to hear um, anyone's relationship to experiences with music, the ways in which uh, it's made a positive impact on your life. Uh, Again, uh, we could we could there's a dozen more uh, ways in which we could chat about music that would immediately come to mind. So whatever y'all have in uh, with us in the Zoom room, I would love to hear from you. Yeah, we have a very small, intimate group here with us. And uh, if anybody wants to chime in on the conversation, please do. We have to start us off. Professor Kevin, welcome back, Professor Kevin. What's up? Uh, Not much, but. I've really been enjoying the conversation and I think way you said it best at the start where, uh, you know, how do we, how do we approach the topic of music and talk about it? Because, you know, even with this call right here, I'm thinking, well, I could talk about, um, you know, what I do as a drummer and I'm noticing there's a lot of drummers in here, actually. Um, we can talk about, you know, our first album. We can talk about a concert that we went to that was, you know, a really like unforgettable experience that really connected us with community and, and with our favorite artist movies. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a pervasive life topic that it's almost hard. Like, like what you said, it's almost hard to to discuss it. So um, Dan actually mentioned uh, Devo and Gary Newman at one point. And uh, I actually just saw Devo uh, last month in Chicago at riot fest, which is um you know how I'm very thankful that I was able to attend that because with the pandemic and not having live shows, uh, you know, for the majority of the past two years, uh, just being back at a f- outdoor festival and seeing a band again uh, was an incredible experience. And for me, in seeing Devo, it has then inspired me to uh, learn how to play a lot of their songs on the drums. So I'm connecting the live experience of 
being in a crowd, um, having the band just, you know, they're, they're in their late sixties, early seventies, but yep. they're still rocking. Like they're yep. in their thirties and forties. Like it's incredible. So it connects me to that. And then it connects me to, well, now I want to play these songs. And so what I've been working on now is uh, learning how to drum satisfaction by Devo, which is uh, their cover oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, of the Rolling Stones tune. Yeah. I've been learning that one and, and yeah. And going, go, going through the process of learning that is so rewarding in the brain and I get lost in it. And it's just like you guys were saying, um, you know, you're a drummer. You can't miss the next beat. You got to keep going. And that song is a testament to that. And I think uh, Dan could speak to that, but yeah, I, really, really fun topic. And uh, I, I, I love how we can all connect to this because, um, you know, those universal experiences, that's really, you know, that's, that's the gift of life. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I'm glad you got to see Devo. I saw them a few years ago where they did a tour where they did two nights in each city and they did two of their most important albums in their entirety. One night they did, are we not men? And the second night they did freedom of choice. And both nights were absolutely fantastic. And they were, again, they were one of those bands. It's I'm not surprised that they would inspire you and influence you because when they came out, when me and my buddies were in high school and that first album came out with their cover of satisfaction and songs like Mongoloid and slap your mummy down and all this kind of stuff. It was, it was, <laughs> it was incredibly uh, revolutionary. That's for sure. So uh, I love that. They're still inspiring people at this stage in the game. That's oh my amazing. God. And, and for people who don't know, I mean, the lead singer, Mark Mothersbaugh is like responsible for probably, you know, a lot uh, of video so game much. music, lots of soundtracks. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Like the regrets theme, like you know, all these, like all the theme songs of your favorite uh, movies and, and a lot of them, songs. yeah, like it's yeah, all yep. him. So, anyway, uh, and, and anything else to share, uh, uh, Professor Kevin? Uh, no, I just I, I appreciate that last comment about Mark Mothersbaugh being so, um, because I know he's done like Crash Bandicoot and movies Everything. and things like that, tons of stuff. Um, it reminds me of another artist, uh, Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. You know, he's one that people may not realize um, how many movie soundtracks he's in and, and, and uh, some of the things he's contributed to. Uh, one of them being the movie Soul, yep. where uh, they talk a lot about in that movie about being in, in that flow state. And mm-hmm. the, the way the main character in that movie did that was through music. So um, it's all connected, isn't it? So sorry you couldn't see them at Riot Fest this year, Kevin. Oh, right. They had to, um, they, they canceled a lot of bands canceled this year, but you know what, the ones that were able to be there and the ones that were able to perform, um, some of those, uh, bands I did get to see are ones I'll never forget. Amazing. Thank you, Kevin. Always appreciate your call. Let's go up next to Brandon from New Jersey. Brandon, is this, are you there first of all? And is this your first time on with the mouth? Oh, absolutely! It's uh, I've I've heard his voice in many uh podcasts with you guys, and uh, it's a it's a pleasure to to talk to Mister uh, Lebranski. He sounds like a principal name too. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, yeah, Brandon? No, I visited the principal a lot in grade school, <laughs> but I was not the principal. No, I I I I, I guess we're I, we're all drummers of the mind. I mean, I wanted to be a drummer at one time when I was a kid, but my parents were like. Nah, dude, that shit's too expensive. You're gonna play this instrument. Well, <laughs> not only that, but you'll drive you'll drive them crazy. Like my parents used to hate it because we literally did practice in the garage when I was in high school, and we <laughs> we're playing punk music, and we would open the garage door and like blast it out on the neighbors, and you know the neighbors would call over. Dad would come out and go, "Okay, guys, got to put it to bed." So yeah, 
I, I remember going to a music store and I saw a drum kit and I got all the drums and I just started playing. And I thought I was, I was, my dad called me animal from uh, Dr. Keith at the electric factory. Yeah, not because yeah. of the, not because of the skill, but because I was making noise like, a, like an idiot. <laughs> but uh, the instrument my parents made me was my grandfather's trombone because they didn't want to pay for uh, an actual instrument and, and, I, and just imagining me uh, in uh, eighth grade and I was like four foot one carrying a, a trombone. It looked like <laughs> it looked like an undertaker carrying a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I mean, and did you actually me. learn it? Oh or... yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, it was, it was a chore at first. Uh, a lot of saliva <laughs> in the, in the, yeah. In the in the trombone, but uh, I I I did pretty well. I, I and it and it moved me to play piano and other uh, really soft instruments. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you were playing for fun because, like, I I know a lot of people. Like, I got into brass instruments because I kind of had to as part of like my my school like curriculum. But like, you were actually able to play songs that you wanted to play. Oh, absolutely! It's it's it. it my mom uh, ultimately uh, took me to piano lessons, and it, I love I like it. it's a it's a cool vibe. You know, it, it's very soothing. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So you never played in a ska band, Brandon? <laughs> I mean, I did ska songs and, and karaoke. <laughs> that would probably make people cringe, uh, but it was with a lot of uh, drinks in the system. But uh, What, what nah, song never... in karaoke doesn't make people cringe? <laughs> it's all in the form. performance, way. It's all in the performance. Very true. Uh, you you continue to uh, surprise us, Brandon. You know, you're, you're just a man of, of many... Uh, Many interests, many avenues, uh, I, of, many secrets. Well, I mean, it's not a secret. I mean, you just ask me anything, and I'll I'll tell you. Uh, I mean, I I've lived a I lived a, a pretty cool life. I was, uh, come, I I, I don't want to jinx myself, but uh, end it all right now. Uh, as a, I mean, at all, but uh, yeah, I, I I I've done some cool stuff. Do we still uh, have the trombone? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, my my grandfather has since passed away, and that's like one of his key possessions. And uh. Yeah, I'll keep that always. I remember, but my nephew, my nephews are really, he's in a band and uh, uh, we solicited to like different types of music. I was, my, my music selection is like from like heavy metal to like pop music and stuff like that. So, and that inspired him to, uh, to be in a band. And he told me one time, he pulled me aside. and was like, Uncle Boo Boo, you, you inspired me with your music taste to, to, to play the electric ukulele and be in a band. And I, and for that, I thank you. And I, I was pretty touched by that. And uh, it was awesome. it was it was pretty cool. And he's really he's really good. Like like uh, I I've seen like I mean like he, it, it would blow your mind if you saw him play the electric ukulele in, in a punk band. Oh my god, that sounds amazing, <laughs> Brandon. Yeah, pretty, do you do you go to concerts in New Jersey? Um yeah, I mean the last the last actual concert I went to was uh, Jada Pinkett Smith when she was in the band Wicked Wisdom with her brother. <laughs> they opened up for. Uh, they opened up for uh, uh, a dark tranquility, which was uh, it was a pretty awesome show. But I remember going to the venue and seeing her <laughs> sing in a front of metal band, and uh, it was a pretty wild experience. <laughs> okay, but yeah, but I love, but yeah, but I love going to concerts and whatnot. Uh, yeah, uh, I want to, I want to see the Chili Peppers, but I don't know when they're coming on tour. So uh, they're they're touring yeah. next summer with the Strokes and Thundercat. Uh, Oh, I'm definitely going to that then. It becomes, uh, you know, you know. I'm, I, I think uh, what you call it uh, is coming up to the area. Your boy, uh, the guy with the beard. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Damien. 
Yeah, Damian Abraham's coming fucked in January. Up. And I'm, I got, yeah, Fucked Up's coming in January. So I got tickets for that. So uh, I can't nice. wait for that. Cool. Yes. Very cool. Well, Brandon, we're not, got. we're not far That's from it. each other. Maybe uh, one day sooner than later, we'll find each, ourselves together at a concert. Well, well, I told you my sister lives in Maryland. So uh, I go there every, uh, every other weekend. Uh, you got, right, you got well, my uh, information if you want to vibe out. <laughs> Let's vibe out. All right, guys. Take care. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Social plans made right here on yeah, the man. Wallace policy. Yeah, me and Brandon's sister. <laughs> hey, uh, people in the chat room are talking about Whiplash. Have you guys? I mean, two drummers. Um, I'm, I'm assuming. Have you guys watched the movie Whiplash? Great movie. Uh, but it turned music into sport. How fast can you go until your hands bleed? Uh, that's clearly a culture. Uh, but again, one of the many reasons why uh, formal education in music was not interesting to me was, to me, music wasn't meant to be competitive. Mm-hmm. You're right. Describing it as mouth. Have you seen the movie? No, uh, no I, th- I, I, I'm not really into Hollywood films about rock and roll and stuff like that, or, or musicians. A lot of time I've been burned so many times that I've watched him and I've just, Th- this one would be an exception. My, I would, I yeah, would say. too much it's, shaking my head and going, "Oh, that's such bullshit," you know. So, well, this one is specifically about uh, like, um, like, uh, was like they're trying to de- depict Berkeley, were they not, Jordan? If if not specifically, yeah, I mean something like that. Like, is this like or or Juilliard or something like this kind mm-hmm. of re- really pre- prestigious music school? And and I mean, essentially, it 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 kind of talks about how this kid, you know, his dream is to simply like be the best drummer or at least be good enough to play in this this band in this jazz uh, band this jazz band and this this teacher played by JK Simmons is just so like brutal ruthless yeah ruthless in his right. coaching um but i, I it, for me like i've taken lessons like piano lessons as a kid too but i i never liked them and and in fact like kind of like it to formalize, you know, like something like this is depending on the person. I think for a lot of people, it absolutely works. Like Brandon, for instance, he, he loved his, his piano lessons. But for me, it like it, it definitely kind of killed it um, a little bit because it took, all of a sudden made it homework. But that's why me taking the first guitar lesson, I'd taken other music classes in school and otherwise prior. But OK, you listen to smells like teen spirit. Let's learn that. And that's what I try to do with all of my students. I've been teaching the past 15 years, drums and guitar. And, but really with any type of education, you got to meet people where they are first. I try to get a sense of what's going to compel them, hook them there. And then once we build rapport and they have some trust in me, well, okay, you like this. Well, let me show you this thing you don't know. And maybe they'll be willing to follow me over there. Totally. I think that's so important. It, it, like, like you exactly you said, you know, see where people are and meet them. Like, I, I feel like if you were to try to get somebody interested in playing an instrument, I mean, first, you have to ask them, what kind of music do you listen to? You know, like, what do you like? And if you have a desire to want to connect like if you have a it, being able to connect sort of a passion to this kind of like physical thing, you're going to be a lot more dedicated doing it. And that's really what we're doing with this show. I mean, pro wrestling is meeting everyone where they are. But through this show and through the, the cultural hook of pro wrestling, we've introduced something like meditation to people. Yes, absolutely. Well, have you not seen Raw, uh, Jordan or Mouth, you know, and John Morrison's new character? He's a. 
I heard you talk about it. Does it feel authentic? I'm sure it does. Um, does it feel authentic? Define authentic. I mean, it feels authentic <laughs> to the WWE and maybe Vince McMahon's interpretation of what a uh, meditation may be. But does it know, land? It, does it land better than uh, Matt Seidel in TNA? Um, I didn't see a whole lot of Matt Seidel doing that the shaman gimmick in in TNA. Um, I don't think John Morrison is uh doing the ayahuasca gimmick. Um, I, we'll have to see. It's only been one week and only one skit, so. Well, now I'm interested in Raw. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, did we do a good job, you, you two, of, of covering the massive um, topic of music in 90 minutes? It's a tough one, man. There's like, you know, we did cover an incredible amount of the facets, the different facets of it for sure. But it's it's expansive. I mean, we didn't even really talk about music itself. Like we didn't really talk about any kind of specific music or stuff that even that you and what are we listening even not even what are we listening to right now kind of thing you know what i mean it was more well, what about, are you listening to right now Mouth? oh but jeez, oh, wait so i've i've had a big fascination in the last two years i'll talk about this quebec uh, hard rock from the 70s quebec uh was has always been kind of its own entity it's almost like its own country and a country and a lot of that is true to music. And they have so many great bands that were huge in Quebec or popular in Quebec that never made a dent anywhere outside Quebec. And I've just been finding the records and getting into them lately. And so much of it is so great and inventive. Uh, the, a lot of the French ones are very inventive. There are a lot of social commentary when you translate the lyrics and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm loving stuff like that. Like, it's different every day. It depends what day you ask me, especially when I'm putting together a weekly radio show, right? I'm listening to so, so much music and different time periods too, right? Like I might listen to something new and then I want playing something from the 50s and I'm playing from the 90s. You know, I just got uh, Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division the other day. I've been listening, I've been listening to that uh, a lot lately. It just, you know, so much comes by my past, so it's a constant flow, you know? Well, for me, I mean, I, as far as music goes, the thing I'm looking forward to the most is um, the Velvet Underground documentary that's supposed to release yes. on uh, Apple Apple TV this week. Um, I was also- listening to them this morning. Hell yeah. Which one? Which album? Uh, honestly, that's a band that I have yet to really explore. Uh, way you know, I've been reading that book, Meet Me in the Bathroom, that is an oral history of... Uh, the first decade of this century in in New York rock music culture. Uh, And obviously a band like The Strokes, heavily influenced by uh, Lou Reed and Velvet Underground. And so this morning, uh, for really the first time, I'm just kind of, you know, going around like song to song and trying to get a sense of what Hmm. is this band all about? (laughs) Well, you know, they're crazy. Like they're one of the craziest bands ever like i think personally but then again this is how i would have listened to it you got to kind of listen to the albums especially with the velvet underground because each one kind of is different like that first one you've got that evil kind of psychedelic thing and with nico nico singing and stuff like that and that's where i started yeah that that stuff's kind of unique by itself but then after that she leaves and then it gets more and more experimental and then by the end when they're doing, you know, Sweet Jane and songs like rock and roll, they're like almost a straight ahead rock band. Like they go through a lot of changes. Um, that like the album uh, White Heat and the third one, which I think is just called Velvet Underground. You got to listen to those ones because they are just so crazy and uh, hugely influential, right? Like those are the ones 
that were influential on so many bands, you know, guys like suicide, those bands wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for the velvet underground. So yeah, it, it's, it's good to start with the first one to kind of get you in there. Cause it's going to get even more abrasive as you go along. Good. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Ma- Mouth, while we're here, uh, how would someone like like me down in Baltimore listen to your radio show? Is that possible each week? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I, I do it for the University of Toronto radio station, which is C-I-U-T-F-M. Uh, it's 89.5 on the radio up here. But for you, if you go to our website, C-I-U-T.F-M, that's it. There's a listen live button right on the main page. So you can listen to anything live as it's going. So you can listen to mine if you want Tuesdays at noon or there's archive. Um, they archive the shows, but only for a week. And then it gets replaced by the new show. But you, every show has an archive. So you can also go in there and listen to them in the archive as well. Beautiful. Yeah. You, and I'm on the website right now. You simply go to CIUT.FM and go to shows and then look for Dr. Mouth's rock and roll lunch party and you can download the latest episode yeah that's the that's the latest episode it would be the one probably that just aired this past tuesday the new one would be up there by now so yeah way i was gonna say or both of you have you heard of this there's a punk band from the states calling themselves the von erics and they've done an album and it's called it's called first blood match and it's all it's all great punk songs about wrestling there's a song about the Repo Man. There's a song about Bret Hart. There's a song about Demolition. There's a song about the Four Horsemen. There's one that's called Cocaine, about how rampant cocaine was in wrestling in the 80s. Like, it's really fun. You can tell these guys were diehard fans because the, the jokes in them are hilarious, and they make some great points. And it's a bunch of apparently punk guys from well-known bands, but I haven't been able to find a list of who they are because they all use pseudonyms like masked marauder number one and stuff on the record but boy it's it's so much fun and as a wrestling fan you guys would love it great uh, front cover of a kid playing with like an old wrestling ring and he's he's got a giant scar on his face yeah that's it that's it right there yeah i will be listening to that amazing thank you for sharing that if there's one thing people know about me it's that if there is a song about Repo Man, I'm going to listen to it. It's, you know, it's so great. It's basically about the fact that he was he was this big, huge monster in Demolition. And then Vince calls him in one day and goes, hey, you're going to be the Repo Man now. That's basically what the song's about. They're, they're very clever, the songs. And if, if you like, uh, they call it Ramon's Core, that kind of punk. So it's, it's, uh, it's not quite power pop punk. But it's it doesn't have the it doesn't really have the rough edges. But uh, they come up with some really clever songs, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm big on anything music and wrestling oriented. That's for sure. And and how's the YouTube channel now? Uh, you know what? It's okay. Way there's still tons of great videos up there to watch. But with once I started doing the CIUT show again, I can't. I find it hard to do both. It's hard to kind of, uh, especially with CIUT, because not only am I doing my regular show once a week, but they have another program called Funky Fridays, where I fill in once a month on that show as well, the first Friday of every month, and just play old school funk and soul and R&B and blues and that kind of stuff. Uh, So I'm pretty busy with all that stuff. And then for our um, SNME radio stuff, I'm doing two podcasts a week now with the AEW shows as well and joining jay when we cover the wwe shows 
So yeah, unfortunately, I, I and it's driving me nuts because I have two or three in my head that I'd like to do, and I just haven't had. I got to just sit down and make the time to um to do them. You are like you're as busy as like a a millennial content creator mouth. Like you probably put put as much stuff out there as as really anybody of the of of um our a, a younger generation. So. Thank you for making the time to to be on this podcast. I know a lot of our listeners, I, I mean, our, ourselves included, really enjoyed maybe, you know, just having, like hearing you talk about this topic because we're so familiar hearing you talk about wrestling, but we know this is uh, your other passion in life. So thank you for taking the time out. Hey, no problem, Way. I mean, I always love talking to you about uh, music and stuff. And uh, yeah, obviously a, a subject near and dear to my heart. So uh yeah, someone just to quickly hear someone posted the song titles in the chat from Vaughn. Eric, I forgot. Kamala ate my baby. That one is awesome. That song is hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, thanks a lot. And Jordan, uh, great to meet you and uh, great talking to you. Likewise, Mal. Thanks for making the time, bud. Yeah, no problem. So next month, Jordan, in this space, what are we going to be talking about? So next month on the wellness policy, we will be having some sort of discussion around the topic of community. Uh, again, another a broad subject uh, and one in which uh, I think it contributes greatly to uh, our overall wellness. And I kind of like where we're going with this way in the sense that we're not really doing these book reports anymore. We're kind of taking a broader, more universal topic uh, and, and chatting about it maybe more a bit from personal experience uh, and so on. And I think even introducing uh, some of these topics like music or something like community, where perhaps uh, many of us don't really consider the the roles or the functions that they play in our lives, uh, and more specifically, how they can contribute to our well-being. Yes, yes. I mean, that sounds, I, I don't, at the moment, like, I think we know what we're going to talk about, but it's also like such a broad topic that I, I feel like we, I don't exactly know what the show is going to sound like until it actually happens. And Neither that, do I, and I like that. That kind of makes me excited. So we'll try to get a guest on for that one as well. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you very much, Jordan. Where can people find more of you? Uh, where can people find me? Uh, Instagram, Including Twitter. Your music. Uh, oh, yeah. I have a band called Reindeer, R-A-I-N-D-E-E-R. If you're in the, uh, the Baltimore, D.C. area, hey, we're playing a show. Uh, it's not announced yet, but I'm going to announce it right now. <laughs> uh, Friday, December 3rd, uh, Metro Gallery. Uh, but yeah, Spotify uh instagram uh apple music whatever reindeer it's up there got a bunch of music and music videos uh i'm very excited to perform again it's been two years uh this pandemic has uh from a musical perspective uh been hard so i'm oh yeah that yeah. <laughs> um it, it's it's nice to be going to shows again but but also to be performing just to to beat the shit out of a drum set with my friends in celebration with a bunch of strangers, there's uh, no other way I, I would like to spend an evening. And I'll get to do that again. Uh, at Jordan Beatwell, social media. Uh, hey, check out BeatwellCoaching.com. That's a thing I do too. Uh, awesome. And what better way to get us out of here than a bit of reindeer? So, uh, Whoa. boom. Do it. Hear, let's hear it. You hear it a bit. You hear it a bit in the background right now, everybody. So uh, thank you for listening right now, of course. Uh, if you're listening to our feed this week, we've got... What do we have coming up this weekend? Um, Rwanda Dynamite coming out on Sunday, actually, because it's a, a delayed week. So we'll tune in for that. And also the Long and Winding Royal Road. That's coming out on Sunday as well. So thank you for listening, everybody.
Thank you.